Chapter 6, Part 1 of Pioneer Work in Opening the Medical Profession to Women by Elizabeth Blackwell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 6, Part 1 England Revisited, 1858. The ten years during which this pioneer medical work had been steadily carried on had thus firmly established the new departure as a useful innovation in the United States. The reform was at that time steadily growing, not only in New York, but also in Philadelphia and Boston, under the guidance of able bodies of women. We were now desirous of learning what openings existed in England for the entrance of women into the medical profession. We knew that much interest had been felt there in the progress of the American work, and we had been urged by friends in Europe to give some account of it. It was determined, therefore, in August 1858, that I should again revisit my native land and urge the importance of this medical work. Soon after my arrival in Europe, I took the occasion of a visit made to a sister in Paris to prepare carefully a series of three addresses to be delivered in England, showing what was being done in medicine by women in the United States and the reasons for that work. The first of these addresses was on the value of physiological knowledge to women, the second on the value of medical knowledge, and the third on the practical aspect of the work as established in America and its adaptability to England. Whilst engaged in the preparation of the lectures, I entered into relations with a large-hearted Countess de Noailles whose devotion to sanitary reform and generous support of benevolent enterprises were equally remarkable. This lady was very desirous that a country sanatorium for women should be established in England or France, being firmly convinced that hygienic conditions in their fullest application were the chief necessity in the successful treatment of special diseases. This lady wrote to an old friend in Paris, I wish to direct all my efforts to this object. Let me know as soon as possible what it would cost to establish a small hospital for women and children, either in France or England, under Miss Blackwell's direction. She also requested one of her noble French relatives to make my acquaintance. The interview is thus described in a letter to Dr. Emily in New York. Paris, 1858. Yesterday I saw Madame blank by appointment at her own house. A says she is a daughter of the Prince de P. To me, she seemed a stout, black-eyed Frenchwoman of 45, cordial in manner, speaking English well, and knowing as much of England and Anglo-Saxon nature as a French woman ever can know. We conversed energetically for two hours. She is seriously interested in the entrance of women into the medical profession, 
a wish founded in her case on the moral degradation which she has observed amongst her own acquaintance from the practice of being treated by men in female complaints. The fact which most struck her in all I told her was your amputating a breast. In this she actually triumphed. Her face became radiant with the intense satisfaction of the thing, for it proved to her by a fact what she wanted to believe, but could only accept intellectually from all my reasons, viz. the necessity of letting the midwife drop and striking unflinchingly for the highest position. This one fact, worth to this sort of nature a host of arguments, gave her real faith in the physician. She opened freely her objections, or rather difficulties, and I met them one after another, and this difference I observed in the encounter with the cultivated European nature. When I gave her a reason, she understood it and accepted it. It did not go in at one ear and out at the other as with more frivolous people. There is some soil or substance you can plant in this stouter nature. As years go with Lady Byron, so with this lady. It was of some use talking to her. She propounded, of course, foolish as well as serious ideas. Thus, she thought that women physicians should never marry. She also would be shocked to see me with a garland on my head dancing in a ballroom and she thought they should be devoted, like the Sisters of Charity, etc. I combated her idea of abnegation for a while, and put in a feeler to see if she could take in a higher notion, but finding it was impossible, I at once ceased the attempt, and allowed her to hold to her own highest idea, which I could see was tinged by her French nature. Of course, it wearied me a little, and I wanted after a while to expand my lungs and breathe freely, but I certainly made a strong impression upon her. She thanked me, and shook my hand again and again at parting, and said that she should not think of letting this be our last interview, and she should write to Madame de Noailles the very next day. She had asked me previously if I was resolved in any case to go back to America, and I had told her no, but described at the same time the excellent beginning we had made there. I feel convinced that I shall have some proposition in relation to my, or rather our, establishment in London. What, then, ought we to say should such an offer arise? I will accept nothing that is not offered to us both. On that I am quite determined. We cannot separate in practice. Paris, November 1858 Preparing my lectures is a troublesome business. My first one would not do. It was so much more adapted to an American than an English audience. I wanted also quantities of facts that I did not know how to get. But I have now rewritten twenty-one pages. I have written it with pleasure, though very slowly. 
and I am really surprised to find how very slowly I write. I can only write when I feel fresh in the morning, sometimes only a page, sometimes none. I will not force it when I don't feel fresh, but I shall take whatever time is necessary to do the work well, for it is really important. It was during this visit that I had the privilege of becoming personally acquainted with Dr. Trela, the head of La Salpetriere, and his admirable wife, who remained steadfast friends through life. I visited them at La Salpetriere, that large asylum for infirm women over which Dr. Trela presided with truly paternal care. La Salpetriere was not then a great school of experimentation, but a benevolent refuge, where the well-being and kindly protection of its inmates formed the primary object of the director. The following letters are descriptive of this time. To Lady Byron. Paris, December 30th, 1858. 160 Rue Saint-Dominique. My dear and venerated friend, I received your letter yesterday. The mere chance of being in any way useful to the valuable friend you refer to is reason sufficient for a short return at once to England, so I have made my arrangements to reach London on Monday evening, January 3rd. I have heard with great pleasure of an invitation to lecture in London, which I will acknowledge when I receive it. I shall be glad of an opportunity of laying very important considerations before my fellow countrywomen, but I cannot lecture just at present. I find that I must first go to Italy, for reasons which I will explain when we meet. Therefore, it is too soon to engage rooms at present, for which kind offer I sincerely thank you. My chief object in making this hurried visit of a few days is to see Miss Nightingale and a few valued friends, amongst whom I hope I may reckon yourself. I shall therefore remain quietly at my cousin's, number 73 Gloucester Terrace, Hyde Park not attempting to enter into society. To Dr. Emily Blackwell, London, February 1859. I have just returned from an interview with Miss Nightingale at Malvern in relation to a school for nurses which she wishes to establish, and I start tomorrow for France en route to Menton. My old friend's health is failing from the pressure of mental labor. I cannot go into the details of her last five years now, but the labor has been and is immense. I think I have never known a woman labor as she has done. It is a most remarkable experience. She indeed deserves the name of a worker." Of course, we conversed very earnestly about the nursing plan in which she wished to interest me. She says that for six months she shall be utterly unable to give any thought to the fund work, and wants me, meanwhile, to observe English life very carefully, 
and make up my mind as to whether I can give up America, which she thinks a very serious matter. Unfortunately, she does not think private practice possible in connection with her plan. If so, it would be impossible for us to help her. She thinks her own health will never permit her to carry out her plan herself, and I much fear she is right in this belief. After a short visit to the Riviera, to confer with the Countess de Noailles about her proposed sanatorium for women, I returned to London. There my warm friends, the Mrs. Lee Smith, supported by their generous-hearted father, and Miss Bessie Rayner Parks, interested themselves actively in preparing for the first delivery of my lectures. The Marleybone Hall was secured. Our young friends brought up primroses and other lovely flowers and green wreaths from Hastings to ornament the reading desk, and warmly supported me by their ardent sympathy. On March 2, 1859, the first lecture was given to a very intelligent and appreciative audience, whose interest was warmly enlisted. I well remember the tears rolling down the benevolent face of Miss Anna Goldsmith, who sat immediately in front of me. But the most important listener was the bright, intelligent young lady whose interest in the study of medicine was then aroused, Miss Elizabeth Garrett, who became the pioneer of the medical movement in England, and who, as Mrs. Garrett Anderson, lives to see the great success of her difficult and brave work. These addresses were afterwards given in Manchester, Birmingham, and Liverpool. Mr. Bracebridge kindly making arrangements for them in Birmingham and the Reverend W. H. Channing in Liverpool. The interest thus excited in London led to some effort being made to commence in England similar work to that being done in America. A meeting of ladies was held at the St. John's Wood residence of Mrs. Peter Taylor, over which Mr. William Sean presided. A committee was formed to consider the subject, and encouraged by the offer of help made by the Countess de Noailles. A circular was prepared, stating the object to be accomplished, and inviting support. This circular which was revised by Dr. Mayo, Lady Byron, Mr. Sean, and the Honorable Russell Gurney, was gradually signed by a large number of influential ladies. Circular. Proposed Hospital for the Treatment of the Special Diseases of Women. The lectures recently delivered by Dr. Elizabeth Blackwell at the Marleybone Literary Institution have produced in the minds of the ladies who heard them a strong conviction of the necessity for a more general diffusion of hygienic knowledge among women, and have led to a proposition to found a hospital for a class of diseases, the ordinary treatment of which too frequently involves much avoidable moral suffering, to be placed under the direction of competent women physicians 
in connection with a board of consulting physicians and surgeons. A lady, impressed with the want of such an institution, and convinced of the value of hygienic knowledge in the treatment and prevention of female diseases, has already promised one thousand pounds towards the hospital, and offers five thousand pounds more for the endowment of a sanitary professorship in connection with it, provided a sufficient sum be raised by donation to place the institution on a permanent basis. In order to secure the advantages of this offer, it is proposed to raise and invest an additional sum of not less than ten thousand pounds for the purpose of securing and furnishing a suitable house and forming the nucleus of a permanent hospital endowment and also to collect an annual subscription list of not less than five hundred pounds to assist in defraying the current expenses of the hospital the ladies whose names are appended to this statement have signified their cordial concurrence in the proposal to establish such an institution and their desire to aid it in any way that may be within their power contributions will be received by messrs williams deacon and company bankers twenty birchen lane e c any communications may be addressed to Miss Brasher, Honorable Secretary, 73 Gloucester Terrace, Hyde Park, W. Messrs. Bracebridge, the Honorable Russell Gurney, Q.C., and the Honorable W. Cooper accepted the posts of trustees, and 66 names of well-known ladies were gradually added to the circular. To Dr. Emily Blackwell, New York, London, April 15th, 1859. The more I see of work in England, the more I like it. From the Queen downwards I see signs of favor. On all hands we make converts, and those who are indoctrinated make converts. The whole way in which the cause is regarded by laity and doctors is most respectful. I believe we could get into general practice. We could shape the whole matter in the right way, for people welcome true ideas. There is an immense charm in this fresh field, where solid English heads receive the highest view of truth where generosity and largeness of idea meet you at every turn. I like working and living in England, and there is no limit to what we might accomplish here. But alas, there is the same old difficulty. We ought to have an independent three hundred pounds per annum between us, and for want of that it is all vitiated. I see the charm of work here as clearly as I did on my arrival nine months ago, and feel immeasurably more hopeful about the possibilities of English work, but I realize more than ever the difficulty of working here upon nothing. I am writing to you upon our last prospectus, one which is to be widely circulated when we are satisfied with the names appended. It has been carefully revised, 
and it is contemplated to distribute many thousands of them. But we have been six weeks shaping the prospectus and collecting some names, and I know that it will take many weeks more to secure the names it is hoped to obtain. In fact, it is a long work of initiation that has to be carried on, which would be very thorough, excellently well done, but which I cannot wait to do. It is very unfortunate that the probable dissolution of Parliament and consequent ferment of re-elections will interfere with our proceedings. All lecturing is out of the question during the excitement of elections. I shall probably join A in the Isle of Wight for a week or two. I do want to see that dear little island again— and I shall there find leisure to revise my little book for an English edition. I am going to dine with the Gurneys tonight, to meet the Reverend Mr. Maurice, who is so highly regarded by a large party, and whom I am to convert. It will be a clerical party tonight, and tomorrow I am engaged to meet a few medical gentlemen at Mr. Hawes. The country looks lovely, and as usual I am longing for it, and will break away at Easter for a little holiday. How hard you must be working! You must have a holiday when I come back. End of chapter 6, part 1